0: So I went through some really tough patches. Uh, I wouldn't say suicidal, but frustration to the degree, you know, when you've gone through a divorce, you've got two children from that marriage, and obviously there's a lot of animosity. There's a lot, uh, it's not like, you know, you're separating when you're all respecting each other. Uh, It's real life, you know.
1: Hello and welcome to the Transit Lounge, where we interview people who've had a considerable impact on the Muslim world. I'm Mohammed Zahar, and today on the show, Mufti Menk. Mufti of Zimbabwe and one of the most influential Imams across the globe. For those who are not of the 7 million people across Twitter or Facebook currently following Mufti Menk, you're probably asking yourself, how does a Mufti in Zimbabwe feature as one of the top 500 influential Muslims in the world six years in a row? You're probably thinking, How does an Imam from Southern Africa pack conference halls across Asia, the Middle East, Europe, Africa, and have such a huge following in the wider English-speaking world? In this interview, we track the Mufti's journey from his upbringing in a religious household of 9 children, his educational journey from a Christian school to Medina University, then to India. We also touch on some really tough times in his life, including the remnants of his divorce. We start in Zimbabwe, where Mufti Meng tells me about his father, who was the local imam. Enjoy the interview, I'll be jumping in and out to draw on some of the other things we spoke about.
0: So he would teach me the Quran and not just me, but even my siblings, the Quran on a daily basis, as busy as he was. There was a time in the afternoon, you know, he would take a nap and then he would get up and that was the time for my Quran. And I had a slot.
1: Was it a fairly conservative environment, religious environment growing up or?
0: Yeah, I think it was very conservative in the sense that we... Uh, now when I sit and look back, I think I, I'm so thankful to the Almighty that we were not exposed to so much of uh, what people are exposed uh, you know, to today. Even the primary school I had gone to, it was very Christian in its outlook and its, in its ethos. You know, the Lord's Prayer was a daily routine. And I remember asking my dad about the Lord's Prayer. And he says, you know what, it doesn't have shirkiyat in it because uh, when we're talking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and uh, we were little and we just heard it. Uh, and, and so I could actually, I still, I know it off by heart, subhanAllah. That's
1: amazing. Um, and did you find it hard to reconcile between uh, being at a Christian school, growing up in, in high school and then going back home and then memorizing Quran with your father? Was it, was it difficult? Were you living two lives like many people do in the West?
0: Well, it wasn't actually two lives. I think it, because there were so many Muslims with us as well. So we, we just, uh, you know, fitted in. And the beautiful, the beautiful part of it was there was mutual respect between all. I had Hindu friends, Christian friends, Jewish friends, and so many others. And we, we never made it an issue. We used to talk about our differences, but it was never in the heart. We still played together. We were still, you know, it's only later on in recent years that people started making it like, you know, you're not allowed to talk to them. You can't even look. You can't even this. And that was ridiculous. And and that's what made me later on who I definitely became to say look you know what it's not that you don't speak to the guys and you you have to interact with everyone you respect your differences and I'm not saying give up your faith but I'm saying leave the other guys to do what they believe and what they feel is right that's how we grew up and that's the reason why I felt that when I spoke it was always a voice of reason I hope Uh, there might be some societies that may be way more liberal and so on but still, I think it was very balanced because we grew up in a very, very balanced way. And, and um, do
1: you have any special memories from, from St. John's? Oh, many. Go.
0: Plenty, plenty <laughs> memories. You know, I played rugby. I was in hockey. I was into cricket. I, went, I was into basketball. We did swimming. We did, oh, so much in terms of sport. And, and, and uh, I, I wasn't so much of a sports person, but it was compulsory at the time.
1: Um, I'm going to take you back to St. John's College for a moment. Okay. We just finished a football game. We're in year nine. And we go to the dining hall or to, to the canteen yeah. and we buy the chips, the packet of chips. And yeah. I ask the then Ismail Mink, what would you like to be when you grow up?
0: What would your answer have been? My answer would have been an ophthalmologist. And it was. I actually wanted to study medicine and I wanted to specialize in eyes. So you studied uh, the medicine of the heart instead. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing how Allah had another plan because I was well grounded in religion. I had memorized the Quran from a very, very young age. I'd completed at the age of 11, actually.
1: You started at the age of three, just uh, learning how to read and whatnot. Yeah, I could read
0: at the age of three. That's correct. I could read off by heart and I used to, because there were people who used to come to my father to learn Quran and I was a young boy sitting around and I could repeat the verses. People would actually uh, ask me to read and you know they would would literally reward me for having read uh, if I did because when you're young and you're shy people say read and you say "Mm -mm," you know what was the reward? well sometimes it was one cent sometimes it was (laughs) (laughs) I I recall a little I think you're showing your age (laughs) (laughs) may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us but the interesting thing is uh, as I grew older, uh, I, I always led, alhamdulillah, I, I'd like to think, you know, uh, a socially clean life. Like, you know, we never had, uh, I, I, I've never seen a nightclub, actually to this day. I've never been to a cinema. I've never been to...
1: You've never been to a cinema? i never.
0: So i 've never do you been, watch
1: Black Panther?
0: Well, uh, that's the thing. I haven't yet watched <laughs> Black Panther. <laughs> I, I've never been into movies. I've never been into... And I'm not saying that, you know, it's uh, we're not discussing halal and haram. We're just talking about myself, Right. So, uh, I've, you know, when I say uh, smoking, drinking, uh, I didn't even try it. And, and uh, you know, we've never had girlfriends and uh, that type of a life we've ne- i 've never been down that avenue since I was young, so when I was in high school, I remember being asked out you know by it was a it was a boys' school, but you have on Saturdays and some of the days where you have people coming in, and I was like uh, the dude because I had facial hair you know <laughs> so and I was the only guy who was allowed at the time to to actually grow my hair for a reason because there was a, there was a religious reason, and it wasn 't just for being different and so on. And you had people ask you and, you know, you would very politely turn it down. And it, I was very, very polite. So the then
1: Ismail Menk could easily have gone off to study medicine. But his father was set on him furthering his Islamic education. In fact, he even applied on his son's behalf, behind his son's back, mind you, to Medina University.
0: When it came in, I was quite surprised Yeah, that it actually came in and here's Medina Munawara and here's a ticket and here's your place and you had applied to to study medicine but uh, here is something that's that's already come why don't you just see what it's all about and you know uh, a year later you might decide to continue or not and that's exactly what happened. I went in Medina Munawara and uh, something strange. You know, my brother, it, miracles do happen. When the Almighty wants you somewhere, He makes sure you're there. So when I was studying Medina Munawara, I remember missing home, missing my my sisters, my 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 little brother was probably the person I missed the most, even though I didn't show it. But we were very very close, and it created a, s- a little distance because it wasn't the age of technology. Right now, you know, we can speak to each other no matter where we are. But uh, the strange thing is, the day that I wanted to leave. Uh, And I thought to myself, you know, I I think I can go now. And the ustad was teaching the hadith of Medina Munawwara. You know, Medina is pure. It uh, throws away or kicks out uh, impurity the same way the blacksmith would actually blow into the ore and kick out the impurity. And I'm like, hang on, hang on. I'm not impurity, you know. (laughs) I'm going to stay here. And then it started bothering my heart to say, if you're going to be, if you're going to want to leave, perhaps it might just be the fact that, you are something's wrong with you so i stayed and subhanallah but you did
1: miss home like
0: yeah i missed home i i I remember crying tears you know i was i was an adult but i remember crying tears because you know you miss your family you miss your your folks you miss that environment and once you once you reach medina university your
1: your life is fairly linear after that like you're you're becoming an imam you're going to become a sheikh and that's the trajectory of your life. like, And, and it's sometimes difficult to, to kind of see that.
0: Yeah, it was very interesting. Actually, you're raising this. You know, it's not as rosy as it seems because... It's very tricky. I think any university you go into, any university, you need to choose your friends very wisely. You need to have people who have similar goals to yours. Because if you mis-choose your friends, you are going to lose the plot. You will waste your time at the university. There were people who had very bad habits, but they were still in Medina University. I always distanced myself from people, or I tried to distance myself from people who were, uh, you know, uh, terrible in terms of uh, influence.
1: So I can, I can imagine being in Medina and in your shoes and you were teary a few times because you missed home.
0: Initially, but, at the beginning.
1: Initially. And then you, you would remember that you're in the city of the Prophet ﷺ. You know, you can go to the haram every now and then. And I can see why you would continue. But in Dar al-Ulum, I'm assuming the environment was perhaps a little bit more difficult. Did you miss home? Uh, were you challenged? Did you have second thoughts? Did you
0: just want to go home and study medicine? Something very big happened in in india i was now with my wife so basically uh, things had changed totally so, so that's missing the home was not an option <laughs> cuz home was with you you know <laughs> what
1: would you say that the biggest benefit you got from al ulum from living in india and studying in india what would be the biggest benefit
0: well uh the urdu language number one the ability to understand uh, and and uh, you know to 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 comprehend much more And also the ability to distinguish between two totally different environments you know one is the university environment in medina Uh, i can quickly let you in on that very independent they don't work on your character and conduct you have to work on it yourself
1: in uh, in medina in medina yeah they
0: they, they don't work on you're an independent guy if you're going to be lazy you're going to be lazy if you they don't monitor you see what you're doing after the class even within the classroom you just have to uh, hand in you got to do so much more outside in your own free time to develop yourself whereas in India, everything was monitored. Your character, your conduct, the way you sat, the way you looked, the way you spoke. I found that very, very interesting because it was more or less building you as a person, something that I'd already got from home.
1: So when Ismail Menk returned to Zimbabwe from India, he attended the AGM of the Imam's Council in Zimbabwe. A young, freshly graduated Imam with a few years' experience at the AGM, His life changed forever. He was voted in Mufti of Zimbabwe.
0: I think uh, different people would probably uh, deal with it differently. I've tried to be myself as best as I can. I've just tried to be myself. And I've tried to minimize the number of people I actually physically interact with uh, on a social level not because I don't want to but because of time management so I would prioritize it is difficult in the sense that you cannot please everyone people get upset I mean I get thousands of messages I can only respond to four or five and sometimes those four or five you know someone is stubborn they come they swear you and whatever it's okay I've also learned that as you grow and you be, you, you're you in the limelight people look at you from a different uh, angle there are people who just look at your face and they've made their minds up as to where you belong and what you do and and who you are and there are others who might take a moment to listen to you and break stereotypes and perhaps understand that they're good from all angles of community. So, Sheikh,
1: um, you started learning Quran at the age of three. Uh, At the age of 14, you were leading Tarawih Press in Zimbabwe. That's right. And you lived a fairly conservative life. But wasn't there a moment where Mufti Ismail Menk
0: wanted to rebel? You know, people look at you and they start thinking, you probably don't have problems. You probably got the life. You probably set... You know what? I, I challenge the guys. I probably have more issues and problems. When I say issues, I mean difficulties, hardship, you know, challenges than a lot tell of us, people.
1: Tell us what they are because like I, I'm listening to you and I'm, you had a very conservative lifestyle. You, uh, you had a very good family, very supportive Alhamdulillah, family. Alhamdulillah. You went to Medina, the Dar al-Uloom in India. You came back, you became Mufti of Zimbabwe. Did
0: you face challenges? Oh, a lot of challenges. Subhanallah. Not only challenge. A lot of it is to do with uh, relationships with ridiculous people. You know, I've had people who were very close to me, very, very close, and I have distanced myself on principle. And I've had people who've been really nasty. People who've laid false accusation, false claims. You know, tried to drag you to into the muck, etc. But Alhamdulillah, continue. Another thing is, Mashallah, I've got quite a big family, a family of my own. You know, I might be eight out of nine, but I also have have nine mashallah of my own kids so alhamdulillah you know it's a big family a lot of challenges a lot of things i'd I'd like to be in more than one place at one time sometimes you have a heartbreak you know i've been through a divorce myself in the early years that was also very challenging but it was a learning curve i don't i don't regret it because at the moment now that i'm sitting here in front of you i can tell you i learned a lot of lessons i've matured a lot over the last few years do you mind if i hone in on the divorce yes uh Yes, it was obviously a very difficult time when yes. we started off. I told you you can ask me any questions. So here goes. Yeah
1: <laughs> I'm holding you to account um, So you were divorced when was this early on when you came back from Dar al or before was it the, the the wife that you had with you in, in, in India
0: prior to that just prior to that. Yeah, just uh, in, in my Medina days, it was very difficult because obviously we were young and uh, uh, Look, there were good people on both sides. I'm gonna say that today because I'm much more mature than I was, right? (laughs) So there were good people on both sides. She was a really good person as well. Uh, I'd like to think I was a good person. Unfortunately, you know, we didn't get along. So uh, uh, I think now sitting at hindsight, I I look at the challenges that I faced and I now I see that Allah had a, a plan and, you know, the dots finally have, Come together and i've seen how uh, the almighty's blessed me as a result of the difficulties that i've been through in life i remember days when i made a trip to mecca for umrah with one dua on my tongue like a person who must have repeated it 10 million times and I promise you there came a time when that dua was given to me on a plate, subhanAllah. And it was something considered impossible. So I went through some really tough patches. You know, uh, I wouldn't say suicidal, but frustration to the degree, you know, when you've gone through a divorce, you've got two children from that marriage. And obviously there's a lot of animosity. There's a lot, uh, it's not like, you know, you're separating when you're all respecting each other. Uh, It's real life, you know. Can you talk me through how you felt during the divorce in Medina, right? Well, uh, I felt very helpless. That was the thing. I felt very helpless. Uh, you know, a part of me told me it could it could happen. And a part of me told me, you know what? I'm wasting my time. So I was caught between a rock and a very hard place. And the the thinking de- of the kid, Decisions you know? had to be made. Thinking about everything. You know, here is someone, a reasonable person. Here I am, reasonable person. But it, it, we just didn't get along. And you know what? Uh, like I say... I respect them so much uh, today because the contribution that the other party has put into for example the children that I've had is is tremendous and I think your eyes only open later on when you mature a little bit and you start seeing you know there were issues and so on but that that happens with all marriages
1: Hi guys just a quick note on Toledo society Transit Lounge is one podcast in a network of podcasts under the banner of Toledo Society. Visit us on toledosociety.com to find out more. Back to the interview where we asked Mufti Menk how he makes a living. And we also probe him on a couple of tough questions. On, on the topic of occupation, a very simple question. How do you survive financially? Because you're always on the road preaching. And, and
0: as I understand, like you don't get paid for what you do. That's right. How, how do you survive Okay, that's a very interesting question because a lot of people, you know, look at us and say, oh, this guy must be wealthy, he travels the whole world and so on, you know. Actually uh i whatever i do is fi sabilillah in terms of the da'wah and the deen and islam and and the motivation and the travels and the lectures and so on it's fi sabilillah you know it's for the sake of allah it's our contribution towards building of our Akhira. so uh, if you want to know how i survive okay we have a family business back at home where uh, you know some of the family members are more involved in that business than others and because i'm uh, there so i have an allowance from there that uh, pushes me through and you're the token salesman i mean just one tweet and i'm sure the- <laughs> Drives, right? If you notice carefully, I don't use any of the social media to promote anything material. Fair enough. But on a serious note, yeah, like yeah, you yeah. do work in the business. Well, you know, more HR, you know, I always tell them, I'll make the dua for you. I'll make the dua for you, you, you know.
1: I'm going to ask you a series of quick questions. What are three do's from the life of Mufti Menk over the last few decades? What are three do's and
0: three don'ts? Okay, the first piece of do that I would say is... Make sure you have a relationship with your maker. Never give that link up for anything. That's number one. And then make sure you build your character. And part of that would be to have the best friends. I don't know if I'm heading in the right direction, but I, this is me. It's so me. To, you know, keep on looking at your the company you're with, the people you're with, the, the people you associate with, because I've seen people being destroyed just because of association. Who they mix with, who they interact with, they become like that and even worse. So be careful of who you interact with, the type of thinking. Tell yourself, this is the type of person I'm going to be like soon if you're mixing with people. So that's a do. And perhaps the, 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 the third do would be Nothing is impossible. Just go for anything you want to achieve. Go for it. Be determined. Don't give up. I always say your opportunity stop the day you give up. You need to keep on going. Never, ever lose hope. Okay, that becomes a don't. But that's I, a don't. So
1: you've yeah. got two do's and one don't so far. Okay, so never one lose One more hope. do and two more don'ts.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So let's go to another do. Um, never be... Okay, that's another no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't know this was as difficult as it, as, as it is. Okay. Right. Uh, one, more, one more don't. You know what, uh, it's, it's trickier than, than what it sounded like. <laughs> You're in the hot seat. Yeah. Okay, the don'ts. If, if you were looking at me as I grew older, I think uh, don't ever underestimate the value of your family, your parents, your family. Don't underestimate the value of family. A lot of people are ready to give up family just for something. Don't. Think very hard. You know, family is there sure. from Allah. You will have squabbles and differences now and again. Make sure that you solve them and resolve them.
1: Okay. So, Sheikh, we have 60 seconds. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions. You've got five seconds. I'm not so good at that. Let's each see. each one. Okay. You're in Masjid Al-Haram on the 27th night of Ramadan. And the Sheikh falls sick and they ask you to lead. And they ask you to make a dua.
0: You have one dua to make. What is that dua? May Allah bring the ummah together. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bring the ummah together uh, with a beautiful understanding. And... That would be one dua that just comes off the top of my head. Uh, Another dua that also, sorry, I can add another dua as well that comes to my mind is may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate the suffering of those who are suffering across the globe.
1: Um, If Mufti Menk wasn't Mufti Menk doing what he's doing at the moment, uh, what would you be doing?
0: Well not too sure I, I think uh, Subhanallah I, I, I can't really uh, Probably I'd be in the medical field I'd actually be in the medical field I think I would be uh, An ophthalmologist Or at least some form of a doctor
1: um, If you could live anywhere in the world Where would it be? Australia Why?
0: I just like the place
1: Well you're more than welcome anytime uh, One book that you would recommend Young people uh, English speaking Muslims across the globe Should
0: read The Life of the Noble Prophet By Ali Sallabi Is a good book
1: Okay, uh, and a product that you purchase for less than a hundred dollars that's been of most value.
0: Uh, invest in a phone. I and invest in a phone, but it's more than a hundred dollars.
1: And on your phone, like an app that you use consistently oh, that you yes. would swear
0: by. Uh, it's called the high uh, Q, the high quality MP3 recorder. I bought it for three and a half dollars and I must have used it a billion times, a million times. Uh, all the podcasts on Muslim Central that I post and I put up, they're all recorded by this app. It's called the Q MP3 recorder. Perfect. Yeah.
1: Hi guys, just one last note. If you'd like to support or if you have any ideas for this podcast or any other podcast under Toledo Society, please email the team via info at toledosociety.com.